My name is Ben Almond. I work for a Fortune 250 company with over 50,000 employees. Using the perspective of this background, combined with my own life experiences and a passion for great leadership, I share observations and ideas for you to use on your development journey. This is The View, from where I sit. Hey everybody, Ben here. Over the past few months, we've had some great conversations with a variety of people getting to hear their stories and have open dialogue about the things happening in the world today, specifically how we combat racism. Today, we have another very interesting guest joining us. Carmen Holshu and I met a number of years ago after CH2M acquired Terra Environmental. She's a thought leader in stakeholder engagement and spends her days navigating the waters of bringing parties together for a common goal. Beyond that, she has some well-considered thoughts on behavior and personal growth that I thought would be interesting for us to explore. In our discussion, we get to hear Carmen's personal story, and then we get into the topics of resiliency, self-awareness, and vulnerability for the individual and for teams. We talk about having an open mind and listening to the experiences of others. Really hearing their perspectives can allow us to find ways to take the challenge of creating equality head-on. I really enjoyed hearing Carmen's views on this and much more. I hope you enjoy it. Carmen, really excited and, and happy to have you with us today. I thought it would be great if we could start off the conversation just getting to know you a little bit and hear a bit of your story, if you wouldn't mind sharing. And thank you. And, and I just want to start off by thanking you for having me on the podcast, really enjoying listening to the other interviews and the other perspectives that you've been sharing. So feeling very honored to be here today. So, yeah, a little bit about me. I was born in Germany and in a small town in southern Bavaria, so a bit of a different context from where where we are now. We moved to Canada in the late 80s when I was 11, so moved from a town of a thousand where there was about the same amount of cows as well, right near the Alps, right to Calgary. So that was an interesting change and adaptation right there, moving into, into a big city in a different country, learning a new language, lived in Calgary, went to high school in a small town in British Columbia in the East Kootenays in Invermere. Through living there and, and living in Western Canada, just have developed this great passion about the outdoors, spending time in the mountains, exploring this beautiful corner of the world. Because I, I really fell in love with that part of the world, it inspired a desire to learn more about nature. And so I did my undergraduate degree in wildlife biology. I studied in Prince George at UMBC, and then I did a master's in natural resources and environmental management as well, and studied owls on Haida Gwaii off the northwest coast of BC. So really started my career there as a wildlife biologist, incredibly passionate about um, species at risk management, species at risk recovery and research. So it's been an interesting journey from a, from a career perspective and life perspective too, moving countries, learning, um, learning a lot about biology and, and moving into the consulting space. And I, I moved into consulting shortly after finishing grad school, uh, worked on my own for a year and just subcontracted to a number of different companies, moved to Victoria, decided that that's where I wanted to live. I've always had a really strong sense of place, so I made a decision that 
I wanted to pick the place to live and, and build a career there. I've been very lucky to make that happen. And when I moved to Victoria, I spent um, spent some time hitting the pavement and and you know sending my resume around and walking into offices, introducing myself, making myself available as a subcontracting biologist, and got to meet some really neat people. That actually eventually turned into being offered a position with with a company called Westland Resource Group, and they were a small West Coast based environmental consulting company. And I was brought in as a wildlife biologist. And there, my my shift into consulting and the kind of work that, that I'm still doing and excited about started. I was hired to lead the field program, wildlife field program for the TMX Anchor Loop project, which was a pipeline expansion project through Jasper National Park and Mount Robson Provincial Park. And I remember having this complete existential crisis at the time of I'm, I'm being a species at risk biologist, very passionate about conservation and working on a, a major oil pipeline project development and, and how, how to reconcile that. And through the course of having that experience and really learning from that experience, um, became very excited about this as a career path for me because I, I felt like the the work that we do really helps to inform strong project planning and, and we really get to have a, a good positive influence. You know, I continued to gain experience that way. Our company, Westland, was collaborating closely with Terra Environmental Consultants based out of Calgary. I eventually, in Westland, became a partner in the company and, and one of the principals in the company. And eventually, we ended up selling it to Terra, which was an exciting, an exciting change. So we went from a company at that point that was a handful of people and had grown to 12 to a company that seemed so big because they had about 500 people when we joined. After joining Terra, I started to shift my focus a little bit from strictly wildlife biology more into overall project planning and project management. Really discovered that I had interests that spanned the project sphere, the different disciplines when it comes to planning a project. And I and I wanted to understand the interactions of all of those different things and how to balance those out and and how to develop a good project strategy. And so that's really been my technical area of, of growth and focus um, since. Of course, Terra, a few years later, was sold to CH2M Hill. And so as our team in Victoria grew from 12 to 25, while we were with Terra and, and CH and our the overall company, seemed so big at Terra with 500 people. When we joined CH2M Hill, I thought, whoa, now now we're really big. <laughs> um, but the work really continued to stay fairly consistent in terms of project work. But I got to experience more at CH2M Hill on the operational side of things. In addition to continuing the project work, I, I had a technical leadership role as well as an operational frontline staff management role. And then also was a manager of talent for our Canadian environmental staff for some time until, of course, the merger happened with CH2M Hill to Jacobs. 
At Jacobs, I continue to work in my technical role. Today, at this point, I'm a principal technologist in our environmental planning group, in our FNES group. I'm leading the implementation of a growth strategy for our environmental business in BC. It's a, it's a really exciting time for us, and we have an amazing team here that we're, we're growing around. And I lead our Victoria office, which I'm so proud of. And it's been such a neat journey from a professional sense to move from this evolution of Westland to Terra to CH2M Hill to, to Jacobs. And now looking into the future of, of where we go from here, layering on everything we've learned over the last couple of months and the future of work, I, I think it's going to be really exciting times ahead. So how's that for a 30-year snapshot, Ben? It's a heck of a journey from studying owls on Haida Gwaii. It really has been. If you had told me back in, in the days when I was leaving Haida Gwaii after three months of recording owl sounds and you know spending time standing on, on roads in the dark, listening for owls, that um, I would be developing my career in the way that I have now, I never would have guessed it. I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're not alone in terms of that observation on people's own careers. Uh, you know, most of us have a journey that when you look back, it would have been very hard to predict where you've gone over the course of that period of time. You know, you, you've seen and been through changes from, you know, smaller local organizations to, you know, large multinational and, and played you know, very different roles in all of that. But the, the consistent piece that flows through all of that is there are people involved, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you I've always I've always known you as someone who's very perceptive and emotionally intelligent and aware. And I was wondering if you might be able to talk a little bit about, you know, how people have maybe successfully or some of the lessons that you've learned or seen others learn as you've gone through, you know, it's been a fairly significant amount of change in your career, even if it wasn't intended, right? I, I, I doubt you started your career in Victoria with the intention that eventually you'd be a part of this uh, enormous global company affecting global policy, et cetera, et cetera. But it's happened and you've had the opportunity to learn from people around you. So so I'd love to hear a bit of perspective there, Carmen. Oh, Ben, that's a big question. I love it. With all of this change that occurred in our organization and to some degree with all of the complexity associated with large projects as well, there's always two components um, to moving through that. One is to understand and focus on what, what the changes that are happening in terms of the organizational growth mean to me personally. And sort of that, that moment of putting on your own seatbelt before, before helping others put on your seatbelt and, and understanding what's happening and how that's affecting um, you personally. And being quite mindful of that because understanding how you're reacting to major organizational change really helps you understand how you're projecting yourself through interactions with your team and with your teammates. And that 
that in itself, that self-awareness is not something that came naturally to me. I, I had to work on that. I had some very courageous co-workers that were willing to have courageous conversations with me when when I wasn't as aware of that. So having had those opportunities to have relationships where there's enough trust to get that kind of feedback and to absorb it and learn from it has been really pivotal to me. And then embracing that self-awareness to then project it in terms of understanding that everyone around you is also going through a similar journey, but their outcomes or how they're perceiving it and how they're feeling about it is likely different. That's pretty enriching um, when you take the time to do it. We don't often naturally take the time to do it. So I think what has been wonderful about our team and, and our, our leadership culture as well is that we we place a priority on making space for those conversations and being honest about those conversations and working together to think about where we want to go as a result of, you know, whether it is through organizational change that we've moved through or or ownership change in the in the company as well. You know, kind of step back and and what does that mean? Each time there is a major organizational change that is a bit of a shock to the system, a bit of a source of stress, but it's also a major opportunity. And it's an opportunity to take a step back and look at what the future might look like and ask questions about what if and be really curious and open to that. And based on that, develop and implement a plan so that the what if and that future scenario is positive and is driving towards an outcome that is exciting for the team. As part of that, I guess, I think there, there's been that journey that every individual goes through as well, where they have to evaluate whether, whether that future outcome is, is what they want to be a part of as well. So that's, that's been some of the challenges as we moved through some of the acquisitions. Some people didn't want to be a part of it anymore, and they moved on to different, to different things. And then others really embraced it and, and grew with it. And in both cases, that's that's okay and that's positive and that's good because everybody has to have their own journey and their own outcome relative to when those those shocks to the system or those big changes happen. Those are some of the biggest learnings for me is to just yeah, acknowledging what's happening for me, learning to understand what's happening for others, setting a vision and a path forward. And working through those outcomes and really honoring what uh, what people's desires are, eye to the future, but uh, acknowledging the present. I love the idea of getting yourself in a place where you feel confident enough, as you said, to help others. You know, there's a little bit of self-care involved in managing your way through any sort of change, right? You know, from small to large. And if you don't take care of that piece, it's really hard to put yourself in a position as a leader to look after those around you. And, you know, knowing that you've got a pretty high level of self-awareness, which you learn over time that that's important. I think it's easy when you're 
early in your career and your development to put on the brave face and feel like the expectation is that you'll just muscle through whatever happens. But I think it's important to recognize that it's it's normal. And in fact, it's really healthy to process the emotional side of change. And that could be anywhere from grief to elation to relief. You know, and depending on the situation and your personal engagement in it, it could feel like all of those things at once. But until you you sort of manage your own way through that, it's really difficult to open yourself up to hear feedback and thoughts from a team of people that you care about and be able to, in a constructive way, help them go through that same process. So one, applaud the the fact that you've managed to put that into such a concise form in your mind. And I've managed to be witness to you leading teams through some pretty difficult things. At the same time, you know, you clearly have had to process and put yourself into a position where you feel comfortable moving forward and you feel like this is the the journey and the path that you intend to continue on. Do, do you want to expand on any of the the sort of personal revelations you've had along the way, whether it's, you know, things that are important to you or, you know, your style, because I, I see your style as being pretty unique, Carmen, and I love the impact it has on the sphere of people around you, myself included. So I'd love to hear more about how you've learned about yourself along this journey and maybe some things that you've been able to leverage from that learning. Thanks, Ben. You know, bit of a story of self-discovery that occurred a few years ago when I was in the um, manager of talent role for the Canadian environment staff. And one of the great opportunities that I had tied to that role was um, an opportunity to attend a two-day session that was put on by Gallup for our team where we did a deep dive in terms of managing to people's strengths. And it started with doing the strengths finder exam and learning more about our signature strengths. So I think there's 34 of them. So we were in Denver, we're all in a room together and we get our packages of what the different strengths are and typical self-critical fashion. I, I dig out the list, which puts them in order based on the outcomes of the quiz that you complete. I didn't look at the top five. I turned the page around and I looked at the very last one (laughs) because I wanted to know what my biggest weakness was. And my biggest weakness is adaptability. And so I looked at that and I went, well, that cannot possibly be right. That can't be right. During the break, I walked up to the facilitator and I said, "I, I think there's something wrong with my results. It has adaptability at the bottom of my list. And I mean, there's just been so much change in my professional life over the last while and in in my teams. And all I've been doing is adapting. And I think I'm adapting pretty well. Like, how can adaptability be at the bottom of the list? And she paused and smiled and looked at me and, and said, gosh, with all this change that you've navigated through, you must just feel so energized. If adaptability is your strength, you must just be loving life right now. And and I, I laughed. I'm like, of course not. I'm exhausted. That was just such 
a key moment for me, a key moment of realization um, about strengths and weaknesses that we each inherently have. It doesn't mean that things that you're not good at, that you can't pull on those on those skills and work at those skills. But it means that maybe for the things that aren't a strength, you have to pull on other parts of yourself in order to navigate through those. So learning for me, learning that adaptability is my biggest weakness. It caused me to then start looking at, okay, so what are my strengths? And it turned out that two of the top ones were achiever and strategic. And that really that moment of of putting those pieces together and realizing that if I take time to work on my own strengths and leverage those to navigate the things that I'm more weak at, I can have a better outcome. I can have a less stressful outcome. And better yet, if I surround myself with people on a team where their strengths are exactly what my weaknesses are and vice versa, and we leverage each other, we can really make each other's lives a whole lot more easy and and we can really jointly drive forward. And it was just this really simple um, event, but it had such an impact on me. And it, it was actually that learning about that and and starting to think more about change from a achiever and and strategic perspective that had me first starting to dive more into what is resiliency. I view resiliency as being the strategic cousin to adaptability (laughs) and viewing changes or events that occur that, that, you know, cause that shock to the system as an opportunity to apply those apply those strengths, apply strategy, apply teamwork, and and come up with a plan moving forward and what the future looks like. And that that realization of doing it jointly as a team and getting those other perspectives in order to shape that view of the future really, for me, was cemented by starting to understand what strengths and weaknesses in a person actually really mean and why diversity on a team is so important. Uh, Carmen, you're going down a path that you know is near and dear to my heart, that teamwork and team engagement type of scenario is something that, you know, I learned early on how important that feeling of team can be. As you just shared, there's a certain amount of vulnerability in being willing to admit that, you know, your your biggest weakness isn't working too hard, right? That it's actually something real, but that doesn't mean that we don't contribute significantly to a team. It just means that you and I together as a team are stronger than either of us are individually. And then you start to add components to that that are able to augment and improve and provide the skill sets that, you know, others may not bring to that table, but it takes a certain level of maturity to be able to acknowledge the fact that, you know, you don't have to be an expert in anything, but what you need to be willing to do is recognize your strengths and the things that you bring to the table, recognize those around the table with you and, you know, show that little bit of vulnerability to allow 
some people who are different than you, embracing those differences up to the table and give them the voice because it makes all of us a bit better. I mean, I feel like that's one of the most important things, most important realizations that any of us can come to as a leader at any level of any organization is the fact that, you know, the differences actually make us stronger. They don't weaken us. Absolutely. And to build on that, the vulnerability aspect, I think, is really important as well. That honesty that comes with vulnerability. If I think about the leaders that are just shining during this pandemic, I mean, in in British Columbia, we have our, our Dr. Bonnie Henry, who just I idolize her for her vulnerability and honesty and clarity in terms of navigating our province through this pandemic. And one of the moments that stuck with me early on is the vulnerability and honesty that she showed at one of the briefings when the first patient had passed away from COVID. She was not afraid to show some emotion tied to that. And that, I think, made me want to follow her and follow her direction. I think it's it's similar if we look at uh, an, at another example, of course, in, in New Zealand and New Zealand's prime minister, who is just an incredible leader. Her vulnerability and honesty just resonate so strongly and people want to to be around her. People want to support and and, and follow her guidance as a result. And so I see real strength in that vulnerability. It's something that I'm working on to be honest and to label when what is happening, what I'm feeling and deal with it and work with my team again to draw on our collective strengths to achieve that bigger picture and that bigger vision. Because for both of those incredible leaders that I just pointed out, In their vulnerability, what they never lost sight of is a clear goal, a clear desire of an outcome, and one that people could get behind and understand and could monitor themselves in and could see their role in. So that's that's another really key point is is that clarity and messaging from both of those leaders. But it really starts with that vulnerability. Their effectiveness starts with that vulnerability. I've talked a little bit about New Zealand and the journey they've gone through during COVID as we talk about successfully managing change. And I really believe, you know, as much as things are shifting around you, there are ways to find some sense of stability. And that stability could be, you know, clarity of purpose and alignment on, you know, what the path forward looks like that, you know, that can feel like enough for people. and. I certainly believe that any leader needs to also be willing to admit that they are only human. And as we pursue that purpose, being willing to show a little bit of that humanity and the fact that, you know, this can affect you, but that doesn't change your resolve or your focus or your purpose and your intentions. And you're willing to embrace that human side. I mean, I think that all sort of brings us back around to, you know, you, you had brought up the term resiliency earlier. And, and I know that gets 
defined in many different ways, depending on context and, and sometimes probably ill-defined by those who, who want it to mean something different than others. But I think it's, uh, it's an important conversation point for us right now as we talk about things that are happening in the world and how do we manage our way through what feels like a great deal of unknown you know, and come out the other side in a way that we're we're proud of not only the outcome but the the journey we've been on, and you know that takes some inputs that I know in in your professional practice you've examined a little bit of this in in one definition of the word, but certainly in your personal life you've been doing the same things. On my end of things, you know, I've been described as incredibly resilient. I don't really subscribe to any one description of these things. You know, I've dealt with a lot of things that have changed in my world, but you know, I I don't I don't know that there's a single definition for learning along the way and bouncing back when uh when something happens or finding a way to to turn towards the positive. I don't know that there's a single definition of that, but certainly resiliency is in that conversation and I, and I feel like I'd be remiss if you and I didn't have a talk about resiliency today. I think there's two topics there that you brought up. One was this concept of stability, and then the other is the the resiliency topic. And it seems to me like they actually can be interrelated, even when there's a massive amount of change, because stability doesn't have to mean that there isn't change or that there isn't a shock to the system. I think the stability comes from having an ability to understand what you can take control of and where it is that you want to go. And that that latter one of where is it that you want to go, that's sometimes the biggest challenge. And that's sometimes the biggest challenge with resiliency as well, in a professional sense and in a personal sense. It's often easy to know and to define what's wrong or what you don't like or what you want to change. It's much more challenging to define what you want the outcome to be and challenge yourself to elevate that outcome to the best that it can be. That takes strategy. That takes a lot of analysis. That requires not just reacting to a change or to a shock. It requires really moving into that very strategic, thoughtful place to define. And it requires an understanding of purpose. In a personal sense, what is your purpose? Also, of course, in a professional sense, where the topic of resiliency applies. You know, if we think about resiliency in an infrastructure development context or in a in a climate change resiliency concept or or even from a regulatory strategy perspective what are the outcomes and how do you want the future to be what is that desired outcome and and then what's the strategy that you can take to get there what are the goals and the actions that you can take to get there and doing that really does bring a sense of stability at least to me personally because i find if i can take a, a situation that seems just complex and incredibly challenging 
and apply a sense of a vision of what the future should look like and then define the things that I can take action on, define the things that I can take control on, that stabilizes the chaos. So to to apply that to current events, I mean, what a month, what a, I guess it's been more than a month. Admittedly, I lose track of time during this pandemic. It's been a time of intense introspection for me and realization about my own privilege as a white woman and understanding how my journey has unfolded and how that is very different from the journeys of others. And that can be overwhelming. It, it can be actually a place where we could get trapped is in that learning and understanding and recognition mode. I think that's some somewhere where we all always need to go back to. But we also need to think about the future and what the future should look like. Identify people whose strengths complement where we are challenged. And, you know, so whether it is through our employee networks, whether it's through other groups, become involved and and lay out actions that we each can take for that better future. And that in itself is, in my mind, is resiliency thinking in the way that we apply it in, in numerous other contexts. It helps us be more resilient as individuals because it gives us individually a sense of control of actions that we can take. By contributing in that way, it's it's a giant team effort to drive towards a future vision that is different from where we are now. Carmen, that concept of taking something that feels extremely big and overwhelming, which certainly with you know the eye-opening events for us coming from our cultural backgrounds, which are different but share you know some levels of privilege tied into them right that that allows us to at times be oblivious to what has been going on around us or potentially right next to us it's a great concept to think of what does that world look like that we would be proud for kids and grandkids and nieces and nephews and and you know next generations of people to be living in and not necessarily with the intention of that being something that, you know, Carmen and Ben decide we're going to create this and this is all on our shoulders because that's where the overwhelming piece comes in. But being able to take that big vision and distill it down to, okay, here are the things that I can control. Here are the things that I can affect. Here are the things that I can do today that make a difference tomorrow particularly as we're working our way through unknowns, whether those are personal or professional or they're social justice-focused type of items, it becomes a lot easier to digest as we've been going through this eye-opening experience the last little while. It becomes much easier to focus our efforts if you can get down to, here are the small steps I'm going to do today. Here's some action I'm going to take. Here are some pieces of information that I haven't really taken in before, and I'm going to listen to an alternate source and try and have that affect my viewpoint and the actions that I take tomorrow. I love the idea of taking that big thing 
and being able to consider purpose and desired outcomes, even if some of the journey is unclear, but turning that into what can I do right now that makes a bit of a difference, that creates a bit more of an inclusive environment around me that, you know, makes someone's day better than it would have been if I hadn't have taken that action. That's right. That's exactly right. And this is, again, one of those places where we start with introspection and understanding where our strengths are and how we can contribute and and leveraging those. At least in, in recent history, I, I can't think of a time where there has been a more clearly available set of resources and and opportunities to become engaged. And that question of what can I do, it probably starts with exploring those different opportunities as well and really thinking about where you can have a good impact as well, bringing the strengths that you have. You know, Ben, you're doing a a wonderful job of it with this platform, which aligns really beautifully with your strengths. I think we can each think about things that, that come naturally to us and and apply those. And if we're all doing that, it starts to move us in a different direction. I mean, that's that is how we innovate. Why can't we innovate in order to really leverage each other's action and actively making a point of of doing something where at the end of the day or the end of the week, and this is the achiever in me speaking, you can look back and say, here's the steps that I took in order to align with what what my vision for the future is. If we're all doing that, we will move the needle and we will each have a little bit more control and have this feel a little bit less chaotic. And by doing so, I think we're all going to also continue to learn more because the more I'm starting to be vulnerable and and become engaged myself, the more I'm learning um, on this journey as well. So I guess that's the other plug um, for actually starting to take those initial actions and moving, moving beyond a little bit from just the learning phase to dipping your toe and being brave and having that first courageous conversation when something is happening in front of you and starting to challenge those norms. By doing that, that's where we can really each learn as well and continue to get better at it. Being willing to engage even in a small way seems to open that conversation up little by little every day, partially because, you know, I think if you consider, you know, the black, indigenous, people of color, folks around us, many folks have been conditioned to the idea or the fact, quite frankly, that people aren't listening. And, you know, a small amount of action and a show of vulnerability and, you know, quite honestly, admitting that you didn't know what you didn't know opens the door to have some conversations you may never have had before, which allows you to form a better idea of what that bit of action tomorrow could be. And the bit of action the day after that is informed by the things that you learned that day. And ultimately, those small decisions in the moment with an eye to that greater purpose of generating equality across the board and and a place where people can be themselves, the small decisions and actions are how we're going to get there. 
but you got to be willing to open up and take some inputs that you probably haven't taken before, even if you don't like them. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And being really open to that, again, labeling that moment, embracing that vulnerability, embracing that that bit of a shock, and then resetting to the future and, and, and embracing it and moving with it. My sincere hope is that I know that this dialogue of equality has been happening for way too long. And there is an inherent danger that as time wears on from the media cycle and the dialogue becomes less frequent and less in front of us, there is a tendency to lose sight of those actions. We can't let that happen. So if we have a plan of what we want the future to look like, we need to keep taking action on it and we need to keep dedicated to that. Because this conversation can't happen again five years from now with the current status quo. The change actually has to happen. So this is another thing about resiliency is not it's not a moment in time. It's about embracing ongoing change and to move forward from where we are and no longer want to be that is going to take some enduring action and enduring commitment to action. And so my hope is that this dialogue continues and that we each are committed and continue to revisit, continue to reflect and continue to monitor progress and adjust our actions accordingly. I think that brings us all the way back around to that teamwork piece, Carmen, where we can't accept for this to be, you know, a simple moment in time that if we intend to, to truly affect a long term change and have this be a movement in the right direction, then we're going to need to rely on each other. We're going to need to rely on all of those that are willing to help inform us and help us understand the things that maybe we hadn't seen in the past and take those actions. And then I think, you know, I'll, I'll certainly commit to this and I hope, I hope you'll help me along the way that it's important that we commit to holding each other accountable to not let this die as a conversation point from the summer of 2020 and have it actually be an inflection point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. Ben, thank you for uh, the opportunity to be on the podcast. What a, what an experience. <laughs> well, and thanks so much for coming on. This conversation with Carmen has me in a reflective mood. We've heard a lot about people's backgrounds lately, and I'm seeing some definite common ground. Everyone has had some challenge in their lives. It certainly looks different in each person's case, depending on their background, but we have something in common. We all run into it at some time or another. We all have things that get in the way or don't go as they should. Now, admittedly, this isn't spread evenly, and some things are just plain bad behavior, but we all have something going on. Today, I'm considering that while our individual challenges are different, I think we can be a lot more open to and sympathetic to the challenges that others face. Use those feelings that you've experienced and put yourself in someone else's shoes. Even if we don't understand or haven't experienced the difficulties that they're going through ourselves, we can relate. And once we do, We'll choose not to accept behavior or systems that don't support equality. 
as Carmen suggested today, if we can be open to this differing perspective and experience, we have a head start. Starting with not only the learnings from our own experiences, but the things we learn from each other's perspective, we can make an impact much more effectively than if we hope to learn all those lessons ourselves. I'll be thinking about how I use this insight to keep pushing myself to be more aware and have a positive impact. I hope you have more than a few takeaways yourself. This is the view from where I sit. <laughs>